So I'm really excited to be here with you all and I'm really excited to do like the capstone of this series. Um, it's been a really short series, but we've, we've just kind of, you know, that, that, uh, that Gillette commercial that went viral, the best a man can get, um, sort of kind of playing off the Me Too movement. And uh, so we figured we'd just have fun with it and ask ourselves, it's asking the question, what's the best we can make our culture? Uh, and um, it's kind of presenting the, the point that if we do the same things, time after time, again and again, they become our culture, they become our habits, um, and we shouldn't expect a different outcome, we shouldn't expect any change, if that's what, what we always do. And, 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 and customs and habits and culture are a good thing. I mean, even Jesus had a custom, had a custom of going uh, to the temple and uh, on uh, on the sabbath day and going to the synagogue and and saint paul the same thing you find in the in the book of acts it was his custom to go up to the synagogue so jesus himself the saints had customs they had cultures they had habits right um and and a lot of good things could be said about that and we did a whole series about kind of building habits into your morning routine your evening routine to have the best day that you can have but now we're kind of taking it a, a step higher uh, we're kind of going like kind of a little bit higher level about what are the kind of the, the values and the principles that you use to form your habits and your and your culture. How do you choose? Um, how do you choose those those things that those cultures and those habits? Um, and and how and how do you do that? And um, you know the, the the oh sorry the slides kind of disappeared. We'll pull those back up again. So. Uh, so we've been asking the question, sort of, what's the culture from which you operate? What's, what, what makes you do the things you do? And how do you choose the foundational principles in your life? And, and I've suggested a few things. The first week I suggested that, that love, actually a very specific form of love, that compassionate love is probably, if I had to give up all of my values and principles, that would probably be one thing that I would hold on to hand, new, hand, hand tooth and nail. Um, and uh, the ability, the, the next week we talked about being ready to receive, a culture of hospitality. Um, compassionate love is about going out and then being ready to receive is about being ready to bring people in, being, living life with arms wide open, assuming, assuming the best of people. And we saw, like we talked about how the, the, this icon of the hospitality of Abraham is, is also the icon of the Holy Trinity. Um, and in hospitality, God is revealed where two or three are gathered in my name. I am there um, in, in their in their midst. And and we talked about assuming positive intent last week um, as, as the, the best some of the best leadership advice that you could ever um, that you could ever uh, possibly get. And we and we we finished with this this kind of key message that when strength is for service, not for status. Um, so when God gives us strength, when he gives us power, uh, when he gives us ability, know-how, education, it's not for us to exalt ourselves. Only he is worthy of being exalted. It's for, it's for, serving, it's for serving others. This week, we're talking about keeping it real. Um, this week, we're talking about being who we really are and who we really are. Have, have, have meant to be. And basically, it comes down to be, it's really simple. It's to be of one mind. You know, not to be of two minds or three minds, but to be of one, 
of one mind. And, uh, you know, the word simple <laughs> is kind of, it's kind of ironic that it's not so simple, you know. Simple means single, means one, means united, means integrated, right? And yet, oftentimes when we think of things as simple, all of a sudden they become multifaceted and so on, right? If we think it, we should believe it. If we believe it, we should do it. If we do it, we should say it. It's really simple. Like it's just a simple think it, believe it, say it, do it, live it. That's what living a real life boils down to. And that's what we're going to talk about. That's all we're going to talk about all today. We've all done this at some point in our lives. Um, uh, I have all kinds of funny, embarrassing stories where you pretend to be somebody that you're not for whatever reason. You say something, uh, you know, you, 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 say, you say something about yourself or about somebody else and it's not quite true. And you know what? It, uh, it, comes, it always just comes back to bite you in the rear end, you know? And so, uh, so as not to embarrass anybody or embarrass myself further, um, there's, a, there's a funny movie uh, called, uh, I think, uh, uh, Ten, 10 Ways to Lose a Guy, right? And so uh, here's a clip from that movie, 10 Ways to Lose a Guy. Here's the trailer. It kind of really exemplifies why we should just really be ourselves. So, yeah, so this reporter is supposed to uh, write an article about how to lose a guy in 10 days. Um, and then she ends up falling in love with him. So she presents herself as somebody different to who she is. And then it really comes back to bite her and the other guy in the butt. And so that, that, that's just how it is. Because we were meant to be who we are. I know I'm stating the obvious, but I'm stating the obvious, which is completely the opposite of what a lot of us, myself included, do all the time. So I want to look a little bit at why we do these things and why maybe we should try to do something different and how to do something different, something different. So why, why do we do this, right? We play a role. We pretend to be somebody that we were not. We pretend to be somebody that we think we should be or we wish we were. Or most likely what we do is we oftentimes try to be the person that we think the other person wants us to be. So like, like, think of what could go wrong with that for a second. I'm guessing, I'm assuming what you think I want you to be. Then I'm seeing, okay, that's what it would look like on you. This is what it would look like on me. So I'm tra transposing it to myself. Then I'm going to try to act that. Now, some people are better actors than others. There's so many levels where this could just go all wrong. And that this is in the moment. Then you have to remember who you were with each person that you pretended to be somebody with because you got to keep the story consistent, right? And that's not my real me. So when I get back with this person, I got to be the same persona that I was with that, with that person. Essentially what we're doing is we're putting on a mask. We're wearing, we're wearing a mask um, and we're pretending to be somebody that we're not. And let's think about this just for a second, like this concept of wearing a mask. What do we do when we, when we wear a mask? We substitute our face 
for one which is of the mask. What's the difference between the face and the mask? Like, maybe the mask is better. Like, you know, the mask doesn't grow pimples. The mask, you know, is always smiling, rain or shine. The mask, all these things, right? Maybe the mask is better, right? Let's think about this for a second. The mask is static. The mask doesn't change. The mask is unable to cope with different things in society and different things in relationships and different things. The mask has to stay the same. The face is dynamic. The mask can break. The face can heal. The mask is man-made. Your face was made by God. The mask is a lie. It may have been true at one moment in time. Once with a bunch of youth in Southeast Scarborough, we did, we did some art stuff and we had like an expert come in and teach us how to make face masks. So they put like a protective thing on their face and then they do this papier-mâché and put it on their face. And so the mask is a real reflection of the face of that person at one moment in time, at a cross-section of time. But it's no longer true of this moment. The mask is a lie. The face is the truth. God is calling you and he's calling me to show our face and say the truth, right? Rick Warren puts it great. I mean, he's so eloquent. He says, wearing a mask wears you out. Faking is fatiguing. The most exhausting activity is pretending to be what you know you aren't. I am a terrible liar. And a long time ago, I decided that I was just not going to lie anymore. <clears throat> knowingly. You know, sometimes you say something you didn't know it wasn't true or whatever, right? But knowingly. And the reason was simply this. It wasn't because I love God. It wasn't because Jesus is the truth and, and, the, and the way and the life. And we'll talk about that. And it, it wasn't all of that. It was, it was, it was very simple. It was very simple. When I tell one person a story that isn't the truth, I have to remember that story forever because every time I meet that person, I have to keep up the act that that story is true. It's exhausting. If you do that with one person and one person only, you might get away with it. Like you might be able to keep, but if you have to, if you tell different people, different stories, and now you have to remember each story that you told each person, oh my goodness, I don't have the brain power for that. Smarter people than me can lie, but certainly, certainly not me. I just don't have the brain power for it. So am I showing face? Am I making an appearance? Or am I showing my face? Question of the day. Am I showing face or am I showing my face? The face that was given me, handcrafted, perfectly set for me by my loving Father. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The real clincher is this. We all look at like St. Peter on, on, you know, on, on Thursday night, Friday morning, you know, and say, oh, he denied Jesus. That was a terrible thing. Should have never denied Jesus, right? 
But then I walk out of church and I just deny the truth. Well, probably one of the most important truths in the world to myself is the truth about myself of who I am. Is that not denying the truth? Is that de not, not denying? Je Jesus says, I am the truth. The truth is no longer to me an, an ideological entity or a philosophical concept. The truth is a person with a name and his name is Jesus. And I want to be true to him. And that's why God hates hypocrisy. You know what the definition of the word hypocrite is? People say, people sometimes say, tell me, oh, Father John, I, want to do this. I don't want to do this or that because I don't want to be a hypocrite. You know what a hypocrite is? A hypocrite is an actor. So back in Jesus' time, the word hypocrite now, like the word hypocrite is like, it's a little bit derogatory or it has some negative undertones. If you call somebody a hypocrite, they're not going to think you are complimenting them, okay? Word to the wise, right? Uh, right? They can think you're insulting them. In Jesus' time, it wasn't an insult. It was, it was an occupation, right? Hypocrites were people who were actors, usually in plays. There were usually about four or five of them in a play, but there would be like 20 parts. So what would they do? They would wear masks for the different parts. So if I put on this mask, I'm John. And then if I put on this mask, I'm Bobby. And if I put on this mask, I'm Sue and so on. And they could play different parts, different genders, animals by wearing, you know, the, the, these were traveling, uh, you know, traveling theatrical, um, uh, uh, you know, presentations. So they, they didn't have like tons of space. So they used masks instead of full costumes sometimes to denote a different character in the play. So a hypocrite is one who is an actor wearing a mask. God hates that. Just be yourself. Why? Because he made you. Like, he made you. You know what it's kind of like for the mums in the room? You know, you spend all day slaving away cooking some great food, you know, and then your, your high schooler, you know, teenager, university student, whatever, comes home and you say, are you hungry? And he said, no, I stopped by McDonald's on my way home. You know, you as a, as a created something and it was substituted out for something so much cheaper, you know, so much less quality, so much, why, right? Right? So, and the problem is, is that we start, we begin to have two minds. Like there's an expression, I'm of two minds about that. I have two opinions. I have two ideas. I, I, I'm undecided, right? But we kind of think it's okay to be of two minds because if I'm of two minds, like I like to keep my doors open. I like to keep my options open. I once worked with a guy who wanted to keep his options open. He never got anything done and we're going to dig deep into that. Why, if we keep our options open all the time, we go nowhere, right? Because if we're of two minds, so I have one idea that leads this way and I have one idea that leads that way. Well, if, the, if those ideas are on divergent paths, you know, I'll be able to walk the two divergent paths. Let's see if I can do this for a certain period of time. So I'll be able to walk the two divergent paths for a period of time. But after a while, I'm going to find myself doing the splits, right? And if I carry on holding on to those two ideas for dear life, I will get torn in half because I can't 
keep going. I can't go. I can't be going on two treadmills that are going in divergent paths. I have to, I have to choose one in my mind. God gave us a brain to be rational human beings, right? To choose one. Think it through. Believe it. Say it. Act on it. Choose a path. One path. We can't be of two minds. But the world tells us otherwise. The world tells us its world is full of nuance. It is. There are all kinds of ideas and thoughts. But at the end of, at the, end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, I as a person have to bring it home and have to, in the comfort of my own mind, in the comfort of my own self, have to stop and think and choose and be of one mind. We cannot be of two minds. Otherwise, we end up like this guy standing at the fork in the road. He has failed to progress. He cannot continue because he can't choose. We've got to choose. I went to a leadership conference in the summer. They said something and it rang like a gong in my head. Been saying it to everybody since, right? The cost of indecision in leadership is often higher than the cost of the worst decision you could possibly make. Often, not always. Don't go out there making any decision saying, you know, but the cost of indecision is often higher than the cost of the worst decision you could make. Make any decision and it will probably be better than sitting on your hands waiting for more information. Not always, but often. St. James, in the context of asking and receiving, says the key phrase for us today. This is the whole passage. We'll read it together. It says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded, unstable in all they do. I'm going to ask for your permission to just paraphrase the last sentence and make it the statement for today. A person who is double-minded is unstable in all that they do. Be of one mind. Anybody here go skiing? Show of hands of anybody here who's ever been skiing. Anybody ever done the splits on skis or almost? I have a zillion times. What happens, right? One ski starts going that way. The other ski starts going that way, right? Next thing you know, your face is in the snow, right? The skis got to go in the same direction. They, the skis are going to go because they're waxed and the snow is slippery. So the skis are going to go. But if they're not pointing in the same direction, your face is going to hit the snow, right? That hurts. It hurts to be of two minds. Just choose. Just choose. You know, it's no big deal. One of my favorite verses, okay? I want to just print this on t-shirts and wear this everywhere I go in the city, right? Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. What does that mean? It means blessed are you, happy are you, 
If you don't feel guilty when you do the things that you think are right, or the opposite of it is you don't have FOMO of not doing the things that you think are wrong. So you see something and you say, this is good. And then you say, I'm going to do it. And then you feel guilty for doing it. Why? Well, that's like, that's like a recipe for unhappiness, right? Or the opposite. You choose not to do something and then you spend all evening thinking about, well, 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 well am I missing out on what I said no to? Well, why? Just choose something and stick to it. Let me illustrate an example from my own life, right? The all-you-can-eat buffet, right? <laughs> Walking into the all-you-can-eat buffet, I'm saying, you, owe, you know, you deserve this. You've worked really hard. You're this and you're that and you're good and you're this and you're that. Have at it, right? Walking out of the all-you-can-eat buffet, man, why did I do that, right? If you're going to go to all-you-can-eat buffets, please, by all means, go. Be my guest, right? I love buffets, right? Go. Eat your heart out and bless yourself on the way out saying, man, that was good and I am not going to eat for the next three weeks to make up for this, right? But that was great. Enjoy it and bless yourself walking out, right? If you, if, if, if you the opposite, you say, no, I'm not gonna go. Stop looking through the window, you know, looking at what everybody's eating and regretting that you said no, because that's just a recipe for unhappiness. God, I promise you, God just wants us to be happy. He just wants us to be happy. Choose something, set your mind to it, believe it. Say it, do it, commit to it, and you'll be happy. And don't look back. Why look back? Why look back at the all-you-can-eat buffet if you've decided to walk, if you've decided to walk towards the salad, right? If you want to eat, eat, drink, and be merry. If you want to fast, keep calm and happy fasting, you know? Do, do what you want, right? But be decided. Be decided that that's what you want to do. St. Moses, the patron saint of this place, said something really, really beautiful. And it, it's, it's a clear application and reflection of the words of St. James about prayer. It says, God does not hear the prayers of your lips so much as he hears the prayers of your heart. And the prayers of your heart are most clearly reflected in the actions of your day. So he's writing to monks, right? And they, they're, they're used to spending all night in prayer. And, it, and it's hard to do that. You, you get sleepy. So you have to struggle to keep yourself awake. You have to struggle. So that, that struggling to stay awake in prayer all night is called vigil says, so do not spend the night in vigil, he's telling these young monks, imploring the Lord to feed the hungry. If you yourself could not have mercy on your brother and share a morsel of bread with him. God is listening to your heart and is delighted to give you all that is in your heart. But folks, let's let what's in our minds 
and in our hearts and on our tongues and the actions of our day all be the same. Why? Don't do it for God. Don't do it for your neighbor. Don't do it for your mother or your mother-in-law. Do it for you. Do it for you so you can be happy. So you can be happy. Think it through. You know, ask yourself, who do I really think I am? Think it through. What do I believe? Do I believe what I know? I believe a whole lot of things that have no evidence whatsoever. And there's other things that I have tons of evidence for that I have not yet accepted as a core belief in my life. Why? That's irrational. That doesn't make sense. What do you know? Let what you know be what you believe. Let you believe be what you say. Let what you say be what you do. That's a recipe. That's a recipe for happiness. Few questions just to, just, to, just to bring us in, you know? A person who is double-minded is unstable in all they do, but happy is the person who doesn't condemn themselves in what they approve. Be of one mind, think it, believe it, say it, do it, live it. And if you're wondering what God has to say about you, what does God believe when, about you? What does God say when I take off my mask and I stand before him? What does he think? God says, you are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. God says to you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God says to you, so the king has greatly desired your beauty because he is your God. Worship him. If you don't care what God has to say, that's okay. What does Oscar Wilde have to say? He says, be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. Glory be to God forever and ever, amen.